Hey, I'm Hypermobile, and if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you might be too. Hi, my name is Alex, and I'm your Hypermobile host, and today we are talking all about the Baden scale. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Baden scale is, trust me, you're going to want to stick around for this one. There's a love story, there's travel to distant lands, there's controversy, and most excitingly, there's room for improvement. There's something here that we can certainly look at, I think at least, and make better, which is really, really exciting when you're dealing with hypermobile connective tissue and sometimes injuries and conditions where it, people can feel often quite stuck. So this is exciting for me in my clinical work as an osteopath based in the UK. Now, the Baden scale, first we gotta talk about what it is, right? Before we go any further, the Baden scale is an assessment tool for looking at something called generalized joint hypermobility. Now it's important to note that generalized joint hypermobility is not a diagnosis. It's not a diagnosis like, for example, hypermobility spectrum disorder or hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Generalized joint hypermobility is simply a descriptor. And in fact, approximately 10% of the population will demonstrate generalized joint hypermobility. So it's something which can truly be benign. It can be harmless. You, you see hypermobile people, they do exist, where they're not having issues and they're not in pain because they don't have a connective tissue disorder. However, generalized joint hypermobility is a hallmark sign of conditions like, for example, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and hypermobility spectrum disorder. And whereas 10% of the population can demonstrate a generalized joint hypermobility, only approximately one in 500 people will have the diagnosis of hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or hypermobility spectrum disorder. Um, as always, if you're looking for my research, or the, sorry, the research that I'm citing, it's certainly not my research, but the research by the wonderful researchers out there that I am referring to, you can find it in the show notes. Now, we have this tool which helps us look, in, in theory, at patients and their, hyper, and their hypermobility or lack thereof. And this tool has become so ingrained in the assessment of hypermobile joints that it's actually even part of the 2017 HEDS diagnostic criteria. In fact, in that tripartite criteria, so there's three parts to it, the Baden scale really makes up the majority of about a third of it. The part A, there's part A, B, and C, and the Baden scale really makes up almost a third of that diagnostic criteria. So it's something which we all have to deal with, whether you like it or not. But before we get into seven of the biggest problems with, with the Baden scale, which I can't wait to talk about, and two solutions which may be on the horizon, perhaps, if, if we keep making progress in this field and keep improving what we're doing as clinicians, we're going to start at the very beginning because I think to really understand something, you do need to go back to the beginning. And we're going back to 1964. So in 1964, we had something called the Carter and Wilkinson scale. And this was a scale that was made to assess congenital hip issues in children. So we were actually looking at the range of motion in joints in infants. And this scale was a paired scale. So in order to get the point on this scale, you had to have both hips, for example, demonstrated to be hypermobile or whatever it was. I'm not an expert in that scale, okay? But the joints were paired. You couldn't just have the right side be hypermobile, you had to have the left side too. Now at that time, there was a gentleman named Peter Baton, and he was actually working, I believe it was St. Thomas's Hospital around that time, and he would later go on to become a geneticist and contribute a huge amount of research to this uh, hypermobility field. He published over 430 medical articles. Now, 
not to be undone, he had a he had a wife. Uh, they have actually both passed away. He passed away, I believe it was a few weeks ago, actually, and she passed away quite a few years ago now. But he had a wife named who went on to become named Greta Baton, and she was working as a social worker and a midwife and a nurse. And somehow their paths crossed and through their shared love of the assessment of joint hypermobility, they went on to do a lot of amazing things together in this field. And the Baden scale was actually developed as part of their research, looking at semi-nomadic tribes people in the Kalahari Desert. So Greta and Peter needed a scale that would allow them to assess hypermobility in this population of people who probably didn't speak very good, if any, English, who didn't really know them. They were researchers going into a, a land that was quite far away trying to collect data on the hypermobility um, in that population. And again, I, I use the word population because unlike in a clinical setting, which is one to one, you have the healthcare provider and the patient, these were researchers looking at what they probably really wanted to be a very large sample size because better data will usually come from a larger sample size. So they needed a tool. And it was actually Greta who came up with the idea of modifying and building upon the Carter and Wilkinson scale. And her major contribution was unpairing the joints. So instead of, for example, having to have the right thumb and the left thumb be hypermobile, she said, you know what? We're all a little bit different side to side. And I think people should get the point, even if they're only hypermobile on the right hand side, for example. So that was the, the big step in terms of progress there. She also changed the Carter and Wilkinson scale so you didn't have to have every single finger be hypermobile. It just became the pinky that we were looking at, the pinky and the thumb and so on. And there were a few modifications there, but that's how we got to the Baden scale, which we know. And some people love, some people hate, but regardless, that's how where we got to where we are today. Now, the Baden scale is is problematic in nature. Um, if you've seen any of my content online, you know I have some issues with it because so often I see patients who end up coming to me in my clinical work as an osteopath who specializes in working with hypermobile patients in the UK. And they're telling me I was told I failed the Baden scale and that was my whole assessment and I didn't know what to do. And firstly, the Baden scale should not be used as a comprehensive assessment when you're looking at someone trying to figure out if they're hypermobile or not. As much as there are some good things about the Baden scale, and I'll, I'll talk about those for a minute, there are many, many issues with it. So in terms of good things about this Baden scale, it certainly was an improvement from the Carter and Wilkinson scale, and it worked really well for Greta and Peter's research purposes. They were dealing with people where they wanted something quick, something that was really easy, something that didn't involve them having to awkwardly touch people who they didn't know. Assessing someone's hip hypermobility passively requires you to touch their, their hips, right? So they developed a scale which worked beautifully for their research purposes. And this scale, again, it was not made for a one-to-one -one clinical setting. It was developed for researchers looking at large populations. They just wanted to get that data so they could then go do their research and look into the, the hypermobility of that population. This Baden scale was adopted by the medical community. Some, someone must have seen it, I don't know who, but they saw the Baden scale and it started to be used medically. And that was how it really became part of the medical assessment of generalized joint hypermobility. It was adopted. However, what's really, really weird is it hasn't been changed since then. And because I'm, I'm just so excited to start speaking about the problems with the Baden scale, we're just gonna get into it now, okay? So here are the seven problems, seven of the biggest problems of the Baden scale. My original list was much longer, but uh, it is a deeply flawed scale. So firstly, 
The Baden scale was initially developed to study large populations as an epidemiological research tool. And I've already said this during this podcast, but a tool that is made to look at a large population is not going to necessarily be really good at looking at a smaller population or a sample size even of one, like we see in a clinical setting. We need different tools for different things. And the Baden scale, although it worked really, or it seems to work quite well on larger population sizes, it seems to have some issues when we're looking at the all of the quirks and anomalies and unique presentations that we see when we're looking just at one patient. Additionally, no rationale was provided for which joints were, were chosen from a medical perspective. So the joints were selected uh, and the joints that were selected were the two thumbs, the two elbows, the two pinkies, the two knees and touching the floor. And Greta and Peter, as far as I'm aware, never provided a, a clear justification of why they chose those joints. We can certainly speculate, and I do speculate that they chose those joints because they were easily accessible when dealing with a population which they, you know, they were strangers to. They were they were researchers coming there to gather that data, and they chose something that was quick and easy. However, in healthcare settings, it is essential that we don't prioritize something being quick and easy over what's actually best for the patient in terms of assessment. So the Baden scale, although I think perhaps it became so popular because it's so quick and it's so easy, it doesn't necessarily mean that it became popular because it was the best way of assessing hypermobility in joints. Additionally, there are no explicit instructions on how to do the Baden scale. There's not even any clear instruction on whether it's to be done actively or passively. Um, the Baden scale is done differently by different people. I've observed uh, different healthcare providers in different clinical settings and everyone will do it a little bit differently. And this creates problems, obviously, in terms of replicability. My seven out of nine Baden scale might not be the same as some other healthcare providers seven out of nine Baden scale. And this introduces an element of subjectivity into the medical assessment of patients. And again, we need to remember that part of healthcare is, sub there are a lot of subjective things that affect healthcare and that affect clinical decision-making. But whenever possible and reasonable, we do want to try and reduce how that influences patient care. The next point is that there's no real age or ethnicity adjustment. So we know that different people with different ethnic backgrounds or different ages are going to have different joint mobility. It's well-documented that mobility can vary depending on the population that we're looking at. And that, for example, example, the mobility of joints in children is going to be different than the mobility of the joints that we see in a, a quote-unquote normal 60-year-old. Now recently in the 2017 HEDS diagnostic criteria, they did actually, for what I believe is the first time, put in age guidelines for what constitutes a positive or a, what, do you, what do you call it, a successful maiden score. But that's the first time that's happened and it's it shouldn't it's surprising that it takes us so long to see very sensible things like that start to make their appearances and although good science is slow science it's surprising that it does take that long to see what i consider to be relatively straightforward and basic changes start to become um official in terms of how things are meant to be done. Continuing with problems, there is no explicitly agreed upon and validated positive score. For a score of four out of nine is typically considered to be indicative of generalized joint hypermobility. 
But there, nobody has come out, no research consortium or group of individuals, no, no particular authority, you know, Greta and Peter didn't offer this either. No one said this is what, this is what needs to be counted as positive for generalized joint hypermobility. There are some people who will count to three, some people who will count to five. Four is for the most part what you see in terms of clinical practice, but again, there is no official this a score of this or greater is hypermobile. It really doesn't seem to be the case. And again, this can lead to a lot of uh, confusion in patients and variability in terms of how this scale is scored by healthcare providers. It's also important to note that six out of the nine points, so remember every single joint is a point um, and touching the floor is the weird point that gives gets us to number nine. But anyways, out of the nine points available, six of those points are found in the upper extremities, which is the technical term for your arms. Six of the points are in the upper extremities. I cannot tell you how often I see patients who have, for example, hypermobile hips, which are not counted or acknowledged by the Baden scale. Hypermobile ankles, which again, are not counted or acknowledged by the Baden scale. Hypermobile toes, again, they don't matter. Hypermobile jaws, hypermobile spines, all, none of those joints matter. None of those joints are taken into account in the Baton scale. And this is deeply problematic because there are some hypermobile people who don't have that much upper extremity hypermobility, but who do have more of the hypermobility in their lower extremities or their spine, and they are a completely neglected patient group. And that's these are the people who most often I end up seeing in clinic who have tried to do everything right, but they're hitting walls, and it's simply because their body was not um, part of the thought process and the development and adoption of the scale by the wider medical community. And it's not their fault. They're just getting stuck because they're hitting a wall. And my final problem with the Baden scale is that there is no such thing as a half point. It is a binary scale. It is a yes or no scale. So for example, I will see patients whose thumbs can almost touch their forearms, but because they don't touch, they don't get the point. There's no room for discretion. There's no room for um, for anything other than a binary yes, no outcome in this scale. And that does certainly create problems for patients, especially for patients who may have been more hypermobile in, for example, a joint like their thumb when they were younger, but who have now aged. And as a part of the natural aging consequence, uh, natural aging consequence, um, they are no longer hypermobile in that joint. So we have people again, who are perhaps being told that they fail the Baden scale when actually they don't. And in this type of situation, what we're seeing is someone who really is hypermobile, who would have had those points maybe a decade ago, but who now, as due to the natural consequences of aging, has lost that mobility in those joints and is going to be missed if they are only assessed using the Baden scale. Now, before I talk about alternatives to the Baden scale and what I think we can do better as a field, and I, I say this as a healthcare provider myself, right? And I, I want to believe that we can do better and we must do better. I want to give you a tip. Now, there's a brilliant research paper, which I'm going to link in the show notes. And if you're someone who's having issues with the Baden scale, you feel like you're hypermobile, you're a medical provider or healthcare provider, they're, you're, they're saying you're not, and you're really, really confused by all of this, you must go read that research paper. It's from the 2021 Rheumatology International Journal, and it's called The Baton Score as a Measure of Generalized Joint Hypermobility. And it's by Malik, Reinhold, and Pierce. And it is the best discussion of the Baden scale that I've seen 
ever, possibly. And what's really interesting is after their analysis of the Baden scale and looking at a lot of studies um, which have used it and how it works or doesn't work, they go on to say this in the conclusion. The evidence presented here brings into question the validity of the Baden scale as a direct and indirect indicator of generalized joint hypermobility and disputes its continued use as a diagnostic tool. Now, if you're someone who doesn't do a lot of scientific writing, you might not be aware of how strongly worded that is for a scientific paper. So scientific writing is always measured. It's always precise. That's how it has to be. And to see three researchers in a major journal writing from that, from a, from a position of such strength where they feel confident enough to say that means that there, there are issues with the scale. At least that's how I interpret this. These researchers went on to say that the current use of a negative Baden scale score to exclude the presence of generalized joint hypermobility is a practice that must be discontinued. And again, very, very strong wording there. What they're trying to communicate is that a Baden score that's found to be positive, so typically that's going to be a great four or greater out of nine, that that score does ad accurately identify people who have generalized joint hypermobility. However, there are some people who really should qualify as having generalized joint hypermobility, who are scoring less than four out of nine on the Baden scale, and those people are being missed. So in patients who are scoring less than four out of nine, the Baden scale is potentially creating harm. These researchers go on to say that ultimately, this is not only diagnostically inaccurate, but could also deny a patient their fundamental right to a correct diagnosis and hence access to appropriate support. Instead, the Baden scale should be used as intended, i.e. as an initial screening method, after which other notable joints, for example, the shoulder, hips, ankles, and remaining digits could be examined. So what these researchers are saying is, look, the Baden scale, it's not bad for a kind of quick and dirty initial assessment, but it by no means is perfect. And this is the attitude that we really need to adopt in this field is, okay, we can talk about a Baden scale, you know, we, we can give patients a Baden score, but is it good enough? And I really think it's not. Now, there are alternative scales, but unfortunately, they're not used very often and there's not much information on them. Three that you might want to try and look up are the Hospital Del Mar criteria, the Rotes Carol criteria, I'm, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, I've tried my best, and the Lower Limb Assessment Score. The problem with these different scoring systems and why they're not used as often is precisely that, because they're not used as often. They haven't been used in published research as much, and we don't really know enough about them to know if they work well or not. However, from my position as someone who has looked a little bit into them, they seem to be better in some ways. For example, the Hospital Del Mar criteria does look at people's hips, which I think is really important. It includes uh, a more comprehensive assessment, which, which is really what we need. Another reason why I think that these alternative scales are, are not used very often is simply because they're time consuming. And I hate doing this, but we always have to think of the business side of healthcare and whether that would be time constraints in a public healthcare setting or in a private healthcare setting, because remember, clinicians want to get you in and out because it's they're trying to see as many patients as possible, right? And again, that's that's just how it works, okay? We, we always have to think of the system, of the healthcare system in which we are existing as patients. But if you have something that's really quick, do you want to do something that takes longer? Potentially not. 
As a community, it seems like there's always so much discussion about genetics research and looking for gene therapies. And while that's all wonderful, and I think it's great that we're looking into those types of treatment options, I really think that improving the Baden scale would be such a wonderful place to start. And I think it would do so much good for so many people. The Baden scale has existed for 50 years. It was first made in 1973. We're in 2023 now, and I believe it's time for a change. My hope is that we will start to see more and more healthcare providers doing a holistic assessment of patients and looking at all their joints and looking at the ranges of motion and using that to inform their understanding of that patient's generalized joint hypermobility or lack thereof. But I hope that you leave today's episode knowing a bit more about the Baden scale, why it's something that's used so widely today and why it is far from perfect. Now, if you found today's episode helpful, please do be sure to check out some of my other content. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And of course, if you want to delve a bit deeper into some of the issues that I talk about, you might want to consider joining the Hypermobility HQ private membership. The Hypermobility HQ private membership is a private membership community that I run, and it's really for the scientifically minded hypermobile person who wants to share thoughts and strategies and ideas about what it means to live in a hypermobile body. We host lives two times a week and we talk about everything from fashion to dental issues to you name it. Obviously, it's not medical advice. It cannot be medical advice, but it can be so helpful sometimes to hear what other people have tried or what's worked for them or what hasn't and you know some of the physiology behind hypermobility and how living in a hypermobile body can make sense sometimes when you think about some of the science behind it. Anyways, if you want to join, be sure to check that out. The link will be in the show notes for that too. And I look forward to having you join me for next episode. Be sure to leave a review, like, share, subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.